Yo, this is Rob Harvilla from 60 Saws That Explain the 90s, the world's greatest loopy and perverse and inaccurately named music nostalgia podcast. We're doing 90 songs now because there's too many songs. Pearl Jam, Jay-Z, Jewel, U2, Cher, Hootie. These are just some of the names people yell at me on the internet because we're back. More great songs, more rad special guests, more loopy perversity. Join us once more on 60 Songs That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NFL Sunday Recap Show Championship Game Weekend Edition. I'm Nora Princiati. I am here with Steven Ruiz. No Benjamin Solak today because he will be on the Philly special because the Eagles, who beat the 49ers 31 to 7, are going to the Super Bowl. Their opponent will be the Kansas City Chiefs, who defeated the Bengals uh, 23 to 20. And I think we should start there, Stephen, because uh, spoiler alert, there were some quarterback issues in the early game, but Chiefs Bengals came down to the wire. Uh, I think actually the very, there's so much to get to from this game, but it was sort of encapsulated by the ending of um, the Bengals' last drive where Chris Jones gets Burrow on, on third and eight, and then the Chiefs get the long return to set up Mahomes just needing a couple field uh, plays to get into field goal range with 44 seconds to go, and, and spoiler alert, he was able to make that happen. Where do you want to start in Chiefs-Bengals? Uh, let's start with Mahomes. It wasn't the most comprehensive performance that we've seen out of him this year or, or in his playoff career, but... This is these are the types of games that that contribute to the the goat legacy. These yeah, it's, the, it's the like narrative. a legend game. Yeah, I don't I don't know what his EPA was after the game. I don't know what his stats were. I don't know if they were the best. It, it, there weren't like a, a whole lot of downfield magical throws. A lot of the throws at the end were just like desperate checkdowns where he's he's getting tackled or getting out of a sack and he throw gets it to his back somehow to avoid a, a loss of yardage. But just a gutsy performance. And then at the end. He needs however many yards. It was a third and four on the bum ankle. Pass rushers chasing him. And like we've said all year long, his 40 time is four point minus one, whoever the defender is that's, that's chasing him. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it, what it, whatever it has to be, it's going to be. It doesn't matter. Even if he has the ankle, he's just a player that is always going to come through. I mean, I'm running out of superlatives for him. He's the, he's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. The greatest talent, at least. He's unreal. And I, I do think the the he still had the wow moment on that throw to MVS. Yes, I think yeah. because there's always like no matter what bum ankle whatever, and it wasn't you know it wasn't in the fourth quarter, but still they're like it's not as though Mahomes got through this game without doing anything that just makes you go like holy what the heck are we talking about? But I like that you brought up that it's a legacy game, which is like such a stupid term, but whatever it act it, yeah. it does mean something. People care because. This is the st- the type of stuff that people build lore around, right? Like he was a pretty effective scrambler in this game and he needed to be sometimes and and didn't seem limited much by the ankle as a player. But then you saw it when he got rolled up on a little bit like that hurt. He was playing through a lot and just found a way to gut it out. And I do think that people will remember that and people will think of this game, you know, against a a Bengals team that's kind of had their number. And clearly that bothered the Chiefs, right? Like clearly the the Burrowhead stuff, you know, we heard Kelsey yelling into the the, um, post-game interview microphone about it after the game. Like clearly that bothered them. And I do feel like with Mahomes, there's absolutely nothing that he needs in terms of being able to put together a highlight reel and show this crazy, crazy, crazy ability. It's just building this legendary stuff. And, you know, just, we're starting to hear 
even though they're a little a little forced, like it matters that the MJ comps are coming up on the broadcasts, right? Mm-hmm. Like we we don't need to make this a look. The Super Bowl's not here yet, right? Like we don't need to make this a uh what's Patrick Mahomes' legacy podcast. But I'm I'm glad that you went there because I was thinking about that a lot too. Um during this, just how this game fits into the overall story of Mahomes and who he is and, and how his career develops. Did you think that he was affected by the the ankle very much? I mean, you saw it on a few plays where he kind of planted and then he he skipped a throw. There was a throw. Like I think hopping. it was the sky more. Yeah. Then yeah. and that's always been kind of his signature throw in the pocket is he like starts one way and then kind of just hops the other way and is able to fire off a throw to the other side of the field. And like, he has the talent to do that usually. And he did it in this game. So we kind of saw a, we saw a pared down version of what he usually is. I don't think he, he had all of his, his moves he could go to. He couldn't hit press all of his typical buttons, but he found the necessary buttons he could push. He, it, whether it was like going through his progression, whether it was like moving in the pocket just to buy time or to open up throwing windows, he just found a way to win. And that's what the great quarterbacks do. And he's finding more ways. What is this year five for him? Year four for him? He's finding new ways to beat the defense when they start to take other things away. Like we saw a lot of those checkdowns that I mentioned earlier. That's because the Bengals were dropping out and that's what they've done against him. And they found success because he wasn't patient enough. Now he's added that layer to his game where he could still be effective while checking the ball down. And it didn't matter who was out there at receiver. Like they lose Tony early in the game. Uh, Juju goes out at some point during the game. McCole Hardman, who just had come back, leaves the game. Right. He's throwing at MVS and Sky Moore, and he's moving the ball and he's he's doing enough to win the game. So against just an Big Lou, right? Like against one of the best defensive number? coordinators. I, I don't think Andy Reid really gave him a lot to work with in the second half. Like there weren't all of these open throws. It was really Mahomes moving and finding time, finding space, finding the check down being a complete quarterback and he had none of the protection that I don't want to say people have kind of like held against him. The fact that he has Andy Reid and that he's had all these, these star talents around him, like Tyree kill in the past, Travis Kelsey. But in this game, he had none of that. He didn't have the open throws downfield. He didn't have the star studded supporting cast. He had Kelsey and that's it. He had a bum ankle and and Kelsey dealing with a back stuff that seemed like it almost kept him out of the game. Right, so banged up, and it didn't matter. This offense just gets it done because they have that guy at quarterback. Yeah, I, I think it's even so easy to 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 um, just almost not notice how much is on his plate, right? Like he dropped back forty six times in this game. There was a lot on his plate for even though he's Mahomes for a quarterback with a bum ankle, right? And he has to do so much of that, just like smart decision making restraint, dink and dunk, stay away from what the Bengals are are trying to take away stuff. And it's almost like they've just set such a high bar offensively for themselves, but losing all that receiver depth early, Kelsey not being a hundred percent doing that in this offense that, you know, no longer has the, the Tyree kill sort of safety net of, Oh, we can just break one at any time. And I know the final sort of like, Oh, classic, left too much time for Mahomes sequence of plays that got them into field goal range kind of has an asterisk because of the penalty on Osai that, that moved the ball forward, which is its own thing. And it's almost kind of unfortunate, even though it was very clearly a penalty, like that's the right call, but you just feel for that guy because it it was, yeah. he looks so sad. Um, and it looks like he got hurt too. And it, it also just feels like, they were going to get there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you wish it hadn't happened that way because they were going to make it happen. He was going to, he was going to move the ball. Right. It's Patrick Mahomes. Like I wouldn't put too much on his side. And I thought he played a good game before that. He was just hustling. Totally. Like he, it was a bad decision. Obviously I don't want to justify it, but it was a mistake via effort. At least that's one way to frame it. So I, I don't know. I feel bad for him too, but I don't think that that's where the game was lost. And really, the Bengals were fortunate to be in the spot that, that they were in. And I know they had some bad calls go against them or some weird calls like the the play that didn't count, the third down play. They showed the wide replay. Yeah, it didn't, and really, the ref, yeah, it didn't end up the, being impactful. It was just sort of strange. 
yeah, it was just a strange play, but like it was a good football game. I hope that like that's not the focus, like the the mistake by Osai or even the ref, the calls at the end. It was a good football game, and I thought the Chiefs were the better team throughout, and I thought they deserved the result. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's look, and there's they're really for the Bengals defense, not a lot of shame in no. holding the Chiefs to twenty three points when Mahomes has 326 passing yards, two touchdowns and and no picks, right? Like that, that sort of shouldn't compute. And it's actually to their credit. I think it's sort of to, to both of their credit, right? That, that that's how this played out because it means that the Bengals came up with a very good game plan for trying to take the teeth out of, of the chiefs offense in every way that they possibly could. They're helped by some of the, the secondary receiver depth getting taken away. But Mahomes just, he just didn't take the bait and he just did the right stuff Uh, on the Bengals side. um, Because I think if there was, if there was a disappointment for Cincinnati, I think it's on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, One of the biggest stories of the game to me was that the Chiefs defensive line against the Bengals banged up, full of backups offensive line wound up looking like a much, 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 much greater mismatch than that offensive line against the Bills pass rush in the snow in the divisional round ended up looking like particularly Chris Jones. You know, he got to burrow on that that third and eight that set up the long return. Um, He had two sacks, but just was was getting pressure. I I don't know what the final stats are um, because the game just ended, but it seemed like he was winning just about every rep. Um, And I thought that Spags and that that Chiefs front made things really really difficult for Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah, they they won some things like with their their designs, their pre-snap looks where they they caught the Bengals protection unit and they got them in the wrong the wrong looks. So I thought it was a big game for Spags especially after that week 13 game where I thought he gave up some stuff and then we heard Romo during the game kind of hint at that Spags had said, maybe we didn't show our full hand because we knew we were going to play them again in the playoffs. And that kind of makes sense. <laughs> After seeing this game, like, it it kind of makes a little sense. Maybe they did do that. Uh, I don't know if that was, like, just cope from Spags, but it was a better game plan, a much better game I plan. I don't they buy got, it. I'm, I wouldn't buy it either. Like, you're not giving up. Like, that was, that was a game for home field advantage. I don't think they're, like, not trying their best to win it. Yeah. I don't know. Also, there were, like, three different linemen in, like, what are we doing here? I I think that was a little bit of bluster, but also I still love it. I'm very much here for it, but it's I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I thought that but was the, funny. Like the Nugget. two things that I thought that changed were one, they got the pressure, like you said, and they made tackles on the perimeter. And we kind of talked about this last week, how teams have tried to make the Chiefs cornerbacks tackle. And in the the past games against the Bengals, that strategy has been very effective. We've seen Jamar Chase catch the ball and make big plays after the catch, and we didn't really see that in this game. Yeah. The the cornerbacks tackled, the the safeties tackled. I thought that was a big reason why they replaced Tyron Matthew with Reed in the offseason because he's a better tackler. Matthew really fell off as a tackler. We saw that in this game. So they did everything they needed to win on defense. They they handled the checkdowns. They forced Burrow to hold onto the ball and take a hitch or two extra. And when that happened, that gave time for the defensive line to beat a banged up Bengals offensive line. And we saw what happened. That was that they couldn't get that to happen in the other games. They finally got it to happen. Yeah. He had a lot. I, I believe I don't have this in front of me, but he had above average time to throw in those other games. Um, and I think it, it certainly felt like that went away. And I think a big consequence of that, plus the tackling point that you just mentioned, I think is so key they couldn't put together long drives. Like there, there are two touchdown drives. One was six plays. One was eight plays, but they each, you know, one of them was, was the short field, um, that had the fourth and six deep ball to Jamar, which was a, a, a great throw, great catch, great play, uh, that set up, um, I forget who scored on it, but I think it was a rushing touchdown. That's, that's how they tied it at 20 yeah. that. And then the, the other touchdown, drive had the Higgins deep ball. They just needed those. They needed those shot plays, which is part of their style. But I thought that, you know, the chiefs did such a good job of taking away the other stuff. So it was just sort of like, okay, yeah, sometimes you're going to give up a 37 yard throw or whatever it was to, to Jamar when you have him double covered. 
and he might have the right amount of leverage and he's great and you can live with that. But if that's all it was, and that's kind of all they had was just when they could make those 50, 50 balls work. Great. You'll get into scoring position. But other than that, they were really, really limited. And look, it's a testament to the strength of both teams that that adds up to a, a last second, you know, three point game here. But I do think that Cincinnati probably feels like they wish they could have found a few more offensive adjustments in the second half of this one. And I think, you know, Spags is probably feeling pretty good. Yeah, it kind of feels like they fell back into, I don't want to say bad habits because it worked for them last year, but there was talk during the offseason, and Burrow talked about this himself, that they needed to evolve. They couldn't be so reliant on those go balls, those explosive plays. And we saw the Chiefs were able to make them that same offense they were last year, that same one-dimensional, I want it, flawed offense, I guess is the way to put it. It was obviously good enough to get them to the Super Bowl, but you don't want to live like that. And we saw in this game, like there was the chase play where they throw it up into double coverage, he makes a play. But the margins are so thin on those plays, and we saw it the next time when they threw it to Higgins deep, the ball gets tipped and it turns into an inter- interception. Right, exactly. That's why those you live plays, by that's it, you die hard. by it. Yeah, right. So, and that's the key difference. And they couldn't find like a mid-range game, and that's what right. the Chiefs. I thought that's how they evolved over the last year and a half because we talked so much last year about the fact that defenses had sold out to take away the explosives, and Mahomes had this hard time adjusting to it and throwing the checkdown. He figured out how to do that this year. We saw Burrow do it at times. I thought Burrow made the proper adjustments and he, you know, he started getting rid of the ball a little quicker. He was, wasn't taking as many sacks. He was throwing his checkdowns a little quicker. I don't know if he got the same support from his coaching staff. And I think like the offense, the scheme needs to evolve next year. And we saw again in this game, they couldn't run the football. And that's always kind of been the thing with them. When they can run the football, they can put up points with anybody. They can score 40 points a game. When they can't run the football and they become one dimensional and they come to become too reliant on those go balls, this offense, it's a 50 50 proposition. Either they catch the 50 the 50 balls or they don't. And that usually decides whether they win or lose. And I also feel like it, it does seem like Burrow, who in the grand scheme of things is incredibly calm, cool and collected, but he knows when that's working and when that's not working. And I do think that he reverts to some of those bad habits and bad decision making when he feels like that's the case because all of that seems to fit together with them when you know because that's when when he's searching for those 50 50 balls that's when he hangs onto the ball too long because if it's not there he's still hoping that it's it's you know jamar's gonna get open jamar's gonna win jamar's gonna get into a position where i at least feel like i can contest it downfield and sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't and it it felt like they probably just had one more of the plays where it doesn't work out than the ones where it does it in this. But when you don't have, when you don't have, have the safety valves and, and the backup options, it, it's just a hard, it's a hard way to beat a good team. Do you look at Kansas city at this point? You know, we'll, we'll talk about, we'll have so much time to talk about the Super Bowl matchup, but I, I do think it's interesting to look at the path through the AFC being the degree of difficulty, at least in terms of the quarterbacks that you face Mm -hmm. being higher than uh, certainly what happened in the NFC championship game today. Do you think that the chiefs come out of this and, you know, come after facing Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow sort of battle tested in, in a way that's at all meaningful going forward? I mean, I think it probably matters, but you could make the the argument the other way where, not having to be in these intense physical games is to the benefit of Philadelphia. They were kind of able to cruise in that first game, obviously. I think we've seen Gardner Minshew in both games so far. So they're going to be <laughs> well-rested. And I, I I would say, like, I mean, it's been, what, like a 20-game season so far? They've been battle-tested. They've they've played all these games. They've played some good teams. They got a good look at a good defense this last week. So I don't know if that matters. I would rather have the rest at this point. So yeah. I don't know, especially at this time of the year when everyone's banged up. The Chiefs, I I guarantee you, they would rather trade the path that the Eagles had for the one that they have, where they could have rested all these guys. And th- now their offense, their offense is just totally banged up. If they don't have their skill players, we know what's on the other side of that, that yeah. uh, matchup. Yeah, and it's 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 powerful. Get Mahomes some some rest on that ankle, even though 
Next Gen Stats just tweeted this. Patrick Mahomes completed every pass he threw from outside the tackle box on the run and when holding on for longer than four seconds. Every single pass. He 100%. So six for six uh, throwing from outside the box. Six for six throwing on the run. Six for six on uh, dropbacks where he had to extend the play. Ankle hurts, man. Still fine. There was some other stat like from the week the middle of the week where uh, apparently last time he, he suffered a high ankle sprain, he, he like threw for three touchdowns at 300 yards. Maybe they should just like have him suffer a high ankle sprain every week. It's part of the offense. I saw somebody do the, the got that dog in him meme with the ankle, the ankle. And yeah. I enjoyed that. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, all right. Anything else from the AFC championship game before we get to the, the earlier game? Not really. I just think like Isaiah Pacheco, what a player to watch. I like yeah. I know running backs don't matter, but I think like having that type of running back does matter. Like having for this team in particular, just being able to pick up those extra two or three yards that keep you ahead of the chains in ways that like I don't know, Jarek McKinnon is not going to pick up those those extra two or three yards, and it just adds another element. It just makes them harder, a little harder to tackle, and that's a big thing when you have a team like with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. I mean, and particularly, I think the more that he proves himself, the more that. <laughs> Andy Reid is is a little bit forced to know that he exists and behave accordingly. Uh, not that he, as a uh, runner, was a massive part of this game. I mean, he had 10 carries. He just didn't go very far on them uh, for 26 yards. But the the return, um, the return might have won them this game, right? Like, th- there's an argument. There's an argument that that was the play of the game in some ways. So I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you know, running backs don't matter is a is a funny little quip, but he has mattered immensely for them this season yeah. uh, and definitely did, uh, especially on special teams and, this game, that, which has been, I always thought Kansas City was more likely to lose a game on special teams than win it. And you could make an argument that that happened. Yeah. And that play that he made where it was like a little check down and he broke a tackle and, and they get across midfield. Those were the types of plays that the Bengals made in the previous matchups. Like last time they played week 13, Samaji Piran on third and like four or seven gets a check down, breaks a tackle. The Bengals go on to get the game winning score. I think on that drive, that's the difference of the game. The Bengals didn't make the tackle when they had to. The chiefs made the tackles this time. Totally. Get a piece of $10 million in bonus bets with FanDuel's Kick of Destiny. All you have to do is bet $5 on Super Bowl 57. And if Gronk kicks a field goal live during the game, you will get a piece of $10 million in bonus bets. My favorite bet for Super Bowl 57 is the Chiefs plus one and a half. They opened up as one and a half point underdogs for the game. And I I don't want to bet against Patrick Mahomes on the big stage. And it doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or you already have an account. Gronk kick, you win. It's as simple as that. So don't miss out on the kick of destiny on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Just place any $5 bet on the Super Bowl to get a piece of $10 million in bonus bets. Then tune in live during the game to see Gronk's kick of destiny. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus in select states. Minimum $5 wager required. Award may vary. Minimum $5 projected max $20 bonus award issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. All participants are eligible for bonus award. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit 1800gambler.net in West Virginia. Call 1-800-778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match 
with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. All right. Eagles 31, 49ers 7. Um... What a game. What a game over in the NFC today. We had Steven. So obviously, look, let's give credit to the Eagles. I thought their defensive line absolutely won them this game. Um, They had a 61.9% pressure rate, which is the third highest according to next gen stats by any defense, like in any game this entire season. Uh, Part of that one such play was the Hassan Reddick strip sack of Brock Purdy in the first quarter that uh, Purdy got hurt on, which was the first thing that really changed this game. Josh Johnson comes in. uh, He then gets a concussion. And then San Francisco goes back to Purdy, who can't throw, uh, and a little bit of McCaffrey in in the Wildcat. Um, What do you think, Steven? Where to to begin with... (laughs) the NFC championship game that was. I mean, obviously I'm a little disappointed. This was hyped up as a game of like two of the best rosters in the NFL. And just goes to show what happens when you don't, when you literally can't throw the football. Like at one point in the second half, the 49ers were no longer able to throw a football. I think Purdy said after the game that he couldn't get it more than 10 yards downfield. If he wanted to, they didn't even treat him like that. Like it was only screen passes. I think they were giving him in the second half after he came back from the injury or after it, it wasn't really even him coming back from the injury. He just was forced to play. I mean, I'm kind of disappointed that Kyle Shanahan didn't have something else up his sleeve. Cause there's no I, way your best option is putting Brock Purdy on there. When everyone in the building knows he can't throw getting under center and just running like outside zone over and over again, that there has to be a better way. And like every now yeah. and then they sprinkled in like a reverse play that never worked. And like, it just goes to show in the stats. Once the Eagles realized they couldn't throw, the 49ers couldn't run the football anymore. They averaged six yards per carry in the first half. In the second half, it was 1.43. That was the difference in the game. They couldn't move the ball. They had no right. way to move the ball. And it, it's a bummer. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from the Eagles, but like, we didn't really get to see the game. And, it, and even still, it kind of felt like the 49ers defense did what it had to do to get a win. If everything else was equal and they had their full strength offense, they had a quarterback like they they survived those those deep balls down the on the perimeter. I know Devonte Smith had the one that wasn't really a catch. They yeah. kind of held up in the run game. Like I know the Eagles had like a couple of good runs up the tackles up the middle of the tackles, but all things considered, they did a good job there. Jalen Hurts didn't have his best game; he was kind of inaccurate on, on on the day, but it didn't matter when you can't throw the football and then you can't run the football in the second half. I mean, there's nothing you can do. Well, it felt like it did feel strangely like San Francisco missed a lot of chances. And that's a silly thing to be sitting here talking about when (laughs) Brock Purdy, already their third string quarterback, goes out in the fourth in the first quarter. Josh Johnson gets concussed. Everything that we just talked about, he couldn't throw the ball. Like, it's very silly to be like, oh, they almost had him. Right. That said the first touchdown drive for Philadelphia was when um, the officials missed the, what should have been a a drop on that fourth down catch and Kyle didn't challenge it, which uh, really that's actually, I don't totally put that on Kyle Shanahan because he was on the opposite sideline and and couldn't really see it, but whatever their operation is with the people in the booth, that's a miss. Then Purdy gets hurt. Then on the Eagles' second touchdown drive, um, San Francisco committed three penalties. One negated a third down stop. Another negated a a sack on second down. The third Philadelphia touchdown drive, um, that was the uh, off the short field after the fumble, uh, which was part of the just 
absolutely awful last couple of minutes for them before halftime, just sort of when the game got out of hand. And then the fourth touchdown drive was the roughing the punter call that kept Philadelphia on the field. So <laughs> there are literally, I mean, the third one, you have to say you don't, if you don't fumble, you don't set them up with that short field. Other than that, you have three touchdown drives where just this one little thing goes differently and it doesn't happen. Now, they probably would have had to find a way to keep, to to get some scoring going. And I don't know how that was going to happen. And I'm glad that you brought up like just sort of wishing that they'd done a little bit more because I don't quite, I'm going back and forth on what's fair to expect in an in-game situation. And I, as I think people know, absolutely adore and admire Kyle Shanahan. I think he's a great coach and, you know, very smart, amazing scheme, blah, 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 blah. Voted for for coach of the year. Great. Whatever. I was a little disappointed and I do think that it fits into for all of his schematic brilliance and, you know, brilliance as a designer and, and in devising game plans and thinking about how to take away opponent's strengths. It's not as though the first line of what makes him good has to do with in-game coaching. Right. And, you know, they have the, the miss of challenging, um, the catch, which was unfortunate, but I also found myself wondering a lot, should he be able to come up with something else to do on the fly better than this? Yeah. And I, I mean, that's hard, right? Like you're in the moment, you're playing a really good team. You are, are playing with one hand tied behind your back, but it did feel like, I don't know, try how much fun would it have been? First of all, to just see what happens if Kyle Shanahan was like, can I try the triple option with, with McCaffrey and Debo, right? Like just do something. And he said that, you know, Purdy couldn't throw. And he said it was either just having him in there and screens and dump offs are the absolute most that you can do. Um, it was that, or we were going to have wildcat, but he said we didn't have long enough drives to show that either which I don't totally get what that means. So if they'd been able to matriculate the ball down the field a little bit better, they would have gotten into some stuff and then, then thrown a little bit more wildcat at him. I, I, I guess yeah. that makes sense. I don't know. Why can't you just try it on first down? Like throw yeah. some stuff against the wall. You're probably not going to win the game. I don't know if I'm saying that just from the perspective of someone who would have liked to see something a little right, bit more yeah, interesting. Yeah. Or if that's a really realistic thing to expect from a coach in the middle of that situation. But I, I wonder, I just, I, you know, we'll never know, but I wonder what would have happened. Yeah. It's yeah. It's really, like you said, it's hard to fault Shanahan. Like you're, you're down to your, what your fifth quarterback of the season at that point. There's no way you plan for that. There's like this famous anecdote about Tom Moore. Someone, someone was asking about why, uh, like Tom Moore used to be the offensive coordinator for the Colts during like the Peyton Manning years. And they, someone asked him why they did, like the backup doesn't get any practice reps. And he's like, well, if 18 goes down, we're fucked. And we don't practice fucked. So I'm pretty sure the 49ers weren't practicing in case like they're down to their fifth quarterback and they have to do wildcat. So it's like a trade-off there. Like, do you go with the unfamiliar or do you go with like a thing that you actually right. can control and you know, and that's Purdy being out there. But this is just like a sick game at this point with Kyle Shannon. It's like, okay. <laughs> Let's see you do with Jimmy G. Oh, okay. You make Jimmy G into one of like the most efficient quarterbacks ever. Oh, impressive. Let's see you do with Nick Mullins. Oh, you break records with Nick Mullins. Let's see you with you do it with Brock Purdy. And then now finally they're like, okay, let's see you do without a quarterback who literally Purdy, can't throw. But he doesn't have an arm. <laughs> like he literally cannot throw the football. We've done like weeks of discourse of is it possible for Kyle Shanahan to do this with Brock Purdy? Like full strength, healthy Brock Purdy, just Brock Purdy. Now Brock Purdy's elbow doesn't work. <laughs> let's see what happens. Let's let's see what you got, a uh, genius boy. Like that's the the football gods are tired of like him being called a genius and they're like, let's see him do it without a quarterback who can throw. Yeah. I like gosh. no Kyle Shanahan criticism. How about that? This I know he made some bad uh, decisions. It, 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 blocking Reddick with Tyler Croft and or no one deserves criticism i mean it happens though like i feel like it happens when you run like the play action stuff you have to do that like you have to leave the guy unblocked i don't know i think it's part of the well it went badly yeah it went badly like that's a good point but 
I mean, I can't fault him for what happened in the second half. Like, let's not connect this to his other playoff failures. Like, yeah, criticizing no. the Super Bowl, time management, all that stuff. Yeah, sure. But go, being down to Josh Johnson and then he gets hurt and then you have a quarterback that can't throw, like, you're, you're yeah. never going to win that game. You're never going to win that game. Let the record show that the 49ers defense, D'Amico Ryan's, I think they they made Jalen Hurts pretty uncomfortable in this game. He was 15 of 25. Uh, I did not have a particularly accurate game as a passer. Um, they were certainly able to to run the ball on the 49ers more than most. And I thought we're basically pretty effective in, in doing that. But Hurts did not look awesome in this game. So again, if we could play alternate universe and and know what it was like if Purdy hadn't gotten hurt or Maybe even if they had just gone for it and and done something sort of high risk, high reward with changing uh, what they were doing offensively uh, once they were down the quarterbacks. I'm at least a little bit curious because I do think that they had a good defensive game plan and succeeded at least in in rattling the quarterback. Yeah, we saw Hertz kind of play in ways that we've seen him play in the past, but not this year. Like he kind of looked like last year's Jalen Hurts, where there were times when he he got outside of the pocket and the 49ers didn't seem to be really trying their hardest to rush him. It looked like it was more of a like a mush mush rush to kind of keep him in the pocket. And he missed throws. And like that's the two things he can't do. He's got to be confident in the pocket. Like the offensive line is very good and it was giving him time. And then he's got to make the throws when they're there. Luckily, everything that happened on the other side of the ball happened. And he had a big margin for error in this game. And even like some of the big throws and some of the big catches for the Eagles, they weren't great throws. Like there was the third down where AJ Brown like catches it off the grass. Basically there's the fourth down we talked about with Smith where it wasn't actually a catch, but it was still a great effort by him to make the one-handed attempt. And there were some other throws that where the receivers had to make adjustments and like he needs to be better going forward because this next team they're playing, especially if Patrick Holmes has two weeks to heal up and that offensive uh, core gets a little healthier and he has his full complement of receivers, the margin for error is going to be smaller. And like this Chiefs defense obviously isn't what the 49ers is, but they have a very good pass rush and they can kind of get pressure on you in the same ways. And they have a defensive coordinator that's not going to make things easy on you. Like he knows how to blitz. He knows how to change the picture after the snap. He has the tools, the coverage tools to, that I think can really bother a quarterback who's at this point in his development like Jalen Hurts is. Totally. He's been one of the most blitz sensitive quarterbacks in football this year and spags in January and February. We've seen it. And and for the way that that defensive line for the Chiefs looked today, I would be worried about that. Uh, on the other hand, you mentioned, you know, if you're in a situation where you have to keep pace with um, Mahomes and the Chiefs after they they get two weeks to rest up. Uh, I'm seeing James Palmer tweeting that Juju Smith-Schuster could barely get up the stairs to the locker room. So that doesn't mm. seem great, but we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, any any preliminary thoughts on the Super Bowl matchup? Uh, yeah, I think it's a game that comes down to the trenches, and that's such a cliche thing. But we've seen that in the Super Bowls that the 49ers have played in. Or not the 49ers, the, the Chiefs. Against the 49ers in that first one, they really struggled with the pass rush. In the second one, they really struggled with the pass rush against Tampa Bay. This team, basically, I think they set a record in the Super Bowl era for sacks, if you include the playoffs, like the Eagles. They have the firepower to put Mahomes under that same fire. It, I think the game comes down to the Chiefs' capacity, their offensive line's capacity to prevent that from happening. Mahomes is running for his life. I think the Eagles have too much firepower on both sides of the ball. If Mahomes just has a relatively normal game in terms of protection, I think the Chiefs have the advantage because they have the best player on the field. Yeah, I think that's right. It's 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 a little hard not to to get distorted by the Eagles looking relatively dominant today, but they were. Yeah. I don't think can't really count it. You, no. Stephen, you are now you've been appointed the czar of getting to delete games, uh, delete yes. games from mattering. We're deleting the NFC Championship game? No, yeah, the game didn't happen. The, the 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 canon is the Eagles won last week, and they won so convincingly that the NFL decided that that was enough to go straight to the Super Bowl. They didn't even that game didn't happen. Uh, Josh Johnson didn't play. Brock Purdy didn't get hurt. Uh, none of that happened. Excellent. All right, got it. It's good to good to catch up on that. We'll have to figure out. 
we should go over at some point the other games that we need to delete from the record. But uh, I'm sure the NFL would be thrilled that one of its two championship games should should just be stricken from memory. But that's what happens. That's what happens when when Brock Purdy uh, when you don't have Brock Purdy anymore. It's a very, very uh, teetering tower without, without where are we? Did you see the tweets? There was tweets, a lot of tweets about like the third quarterback, the emergency quarterback situation, the rule. Yes. People really care about this. I mean, like I get it, but it's like, how are you supposed to predict this happening? It's just bad luck. We can't make a rule every time like a bad situation happens. And and honestly, I feel like this should be a possibility that a game gets weird and you have to play. You might, you might have to put Christian McCaffrey at quarterback. They never had to do that in this game, but it would have been kind of fun to watch that. I have to admit that I did not hate this game. Like I, I saw a lot of people saying, what a disappointment. You know, it's it's the NFC championship game. We were expecting this great matchup. And I felt a certain amount of, of that because it, it was such a cool game to predict. And a lot of that stuff ended up not mattering. That said, it was just weird, right? Like there's something about watching something and going just, what are they going to do? Like, what must this, uh, what must Kyle Shanahan be thinking right now? Like what is his mind just going expletive, expletive, expletive. I can't believe this is happening to me again. Like I'm totally freaking out. I'm totally overwhelmed. Um, again, I'm I'm sad that they didn't do it, but you're sitting there going, what if they just like, you know, break out the wishbone. Like what, what can we do here? Do something crazy. And it felt like we had the potential for that. So I was kind of riveted the whole time, even though it was a completely non-competitive game. No one, no one was like, or maybe I guess people were like this, but like Brian Hoyer wasn't going to save the entertainment value of that game. And honestly, like the, the Eagles defensive line was so dominant that I don't even know if it makes a difference. They got pressure on 62% of their, their dropbacks. And like, that's, that includes pass rushes where, they're just assuming that they're not passing the ball. So they're not necessarily pinning their ears back and getting out to the quarterback. They're like defending the run first. They were getting pressure on both of the normal quarterbacks in the first half. So I don't, I don't know if things even really change that much. If they do have a third quarterback, Brian Hoyer was not your savior or whoever what, would have been the, who was it? Nate Sudfeld. Right, exactly. <laughs> what I think would be better is if you could make, if we keep, you know, sometimes there's, there's, there's all this talk. We did an episode of the Island about it with Lindsay Jones this, this year about um, the trade deadline and if there would be a way to make the trade deadline more exciting and maybe if you should move it back so that more teams sort of figure out if they're contenders or not. My idea is keep the trade deadline where it is, except in games you can trade. While the game is going on within, you know, the four quarters plus overtime, if that happens, trades are allowed. So let's let's see what people do when their backs are against the wall. Let's see what what people do when they're desperate. Let's see if the you know, okay, San Francisco, if you're willing to pay up, go get Gardner Minshew. He's over there. He's available <laughs> to you. He's going to have all of this this insights. Nothing about this makes sense. It's completely impractical, but I think that would be more fun than some random third quarterback who's not good at all just, you know, going in and getting sacked a bunch and being really boring. Let's say this was a rule. Like, obviously it's impractical. It's never going to happen, but what would Kyle give up for Gardner Minshew in that game? In like the second quarter of that game, once Johnson goes out, I mean, he's made some bad trades before. So I, I can yeah. see him getting talked into like a day two pick, like a round two pick just for Gardner. Minshew. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say a second round pick, a lot of adrenaline, just like really ready to be upset and acting out. Get people to make some mistakes. Mistakes in the heat of the moment are, are what good television is all about. I would make that trade too. Now, now, if you're Minshew, do you throw the game? I guess you're a 49er now. Like it does, it's not like just yeah, you're, the no, game. The, 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 these yeah. can't be doing that. And the Eagles didn't want you. They that's just right. traded run, you in the middle of the game. That's they're right. Not, you're not Roger. even going to be able to take the, take the, take the, the flight home. Yeah. Or stay home. You're going to have to fly home to San Francisco. You don't even they've relocated you just in the heat of the moment. Like the the potential is is limitless. This is really how I feel. No, it's a good it's a good idea. All right. Uh, I have one last thing for you before we go. But before we get to that, any anything we haven't hit? 
Uh, no, well, just like the dominance of the the Eagles offensive line, very impressive. Uh, yeah. When you know Nate they're going to run man. the ball, it doesn't matter. And like, shout out to uh, Nick Sirianni and this coaching staff. Like this offensive coaching staff, the the run game is so creative in the way that they use their tight ends and they the way that they like use their offensive linemen. They pull their offensive linemen. They use Kelsey in a way that I don't think any other team uses their center in that same way in the run game. They really take advantage of his athleticism. It's totally. I, I don't think the I don't think the Eagles coaching staff has gotten they've gotten a lot of credit this year, but I feel like they deserve more credit for how crafty they are with their scheme because it's not always a, a apparent because they do have so much talent on both sides of the ball, but like the offense is really well designed. So shout out to the coaching staff. Yeah, totally. Uh, speaking of offensive coaching, before we go, Kellen Moore out in Dallas, uh, chargers have some potential interest there. Curious what you think about that, but, but more so Kellen Moore is out because Mike McCarthy is going to be calling plays. I'm not sure this is good news. <laughs> no. I, did Jerry sign off on this? Like Jerry's washed up, man. <laughs> it's over for Jerry. He's he's resigned or like he's giving putting that much confidence in Mike McCarthy. He like got he got like I thought he lost the Zeke contract negotiations the first the, the last time they signed a deal. Now they're stuck with this bad contract. He lost the Dak Prescott standoff, the contract standoff. He ended up paying Dak Prescott way more than he would have had to pay him. It hasn't been a great few years for Jerry Jones. Hasn't been a great two decades, actually. So this is, I'm not surprised. More of the same. There's, there's no way this ends up like working out for them. Yeah. If, the interesting thing is how wherever more goes. I mean, I, I don't think that this is good because I think that offense was stale and ineffective and put way too much on the quarterback and, and just didn't have the yeah. right answers. We've talked about this at length. We talked about this after um, the Cowboys exited the playoffs. I'm interested to get a sense and maybe this will happen now that they're not on the same staff anymore. You know, Kelmore had to have been a part of that too, right? Yeah. Like it, it certainly seems like it might've been more McCarthy just because of the similarities between what it looked like in green Bay and uh, with Rogers and what it looked like with Dak and Dallas and just some of the commonalities between like you are just asking this quarterback to to be a perfect decision maker at every single time and and be a genius back there and that's just not a great way to to win a lot of football games but again this was still Kellen Moore's offense too um how much of a hit in your esteem has he taken and how would that relate to uh, a potential partnership with Justin Herbert, who I believe Steven is a quarterback who you're rather fond of. Yeah, I think he's pretty good. I'm on record saying he's pretty good. Uh, I don't know if it's much of I think it's an upgrade from Joe Lombardi, but some of the issues you have with that offense are some of the issues you had with Joe Lombardi's offense. A lot of stop routes, a lot of timing routes, a lot of putting a lot on the quarterback's plate. So I don't know like how much of an upgrade it would be for Los Angeles, but I, I do think it's a downgrade. It, let's say they don't replace Kellen Moore with someone who has their own system, like someone who's going to come in and really change the offense. And it's more of the same with Mike McCarthy kind of running more of what he ran in Green Bay. I think that's a downgrade for Dallas. But I don't know if getting Kellen Moore is necessarily the upgrade that the Chargers were looking for this offseason because I think it's the same style of, of offense. I do think Kellen Moore is better at generating downfield shots. Now the question yeah. comes into to personnel. Do the Chargers have the dudes to to run that type of offense. They have Mike Williams, who is, I mean, he makes plays downfield, but he's not a burner. Like he's not someone that defenses are scared of. He's a contested catch guy. They need a burner to, to take the top off of the defense. Otherwise, those stop routes that we saw a lot of in Dallas, defenses sit on those. And I think it's hard to run an offense like that. And that's kind of what the, the Chargers problem was with Joe Lombardi. So and a like jump ball, contested catch winner type Mike Williams type of guy feeds into and look I don't want to be complaining about rostering Mike Williams right like that's a net positive but it yeah. does still it, it doesn't mitigate some of the concerns about the way that he thinks about certain play designs and and j just by going oh well all you know all the quarterback needs is just this little sliver sliver 
and he'll play with leverage and it'll all work out and he'll make a perfect throw every time and make a perfect decision every time. Mike Williams is not lending himself very well to getting out of that mindset and into what if we just tried to get the receivers open? Right. So we'll so we'll see. But it's yeah. I, I agree with you. And it's probably a step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, if he went to L.A., not in Dallas, that seems bad. Yeah, I'll have to see it. I want to see it because I do want to know, like, what the offense would look like now that you don't have. I don't want to say an overbearing head coach because I don't think Mike McCarthy is that. But you have a coach, a head coach above you whose background is this is offense. He doesn't have to deal with that in Los Angeles. Like you would right. you would think that he, he would have more ownership of what the offense looks like as a whole with a defensive minded head coach. Totally. All right. Well, we'll have plenty of time uh, in the offseason to talk about what what happens there and what comes of all of that. But for now, Stephen, we've got a Super Bowl to get ready for. That's going to be awesome. And there'll be there'll be a lot to cover there, both from us and and on the on the Philly special and on the ringer dot com and, and just all over the place. You got anything you want to plug coming up? Uh, no, I, I don't know how I'm going to do quarterback rankings now that there are only two. And there, spoiler alert, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Like, so I got to figure out a way to get those th- that interesting. But I'm looking forward to this matchup. Two best teams in the NFL, two best teams all year long. Not a surprise that they're playing. Not a surprise given the circumstances surrounding the, the 49ers game on Sunday that this was the result. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun game to break down. Awesome stuff. All right. This has been the Ringer NFL Sunday recap show uh, covering championship weekend. I'm Nora Princiate. He's Steven Ruiz. Sheil and Ben will have you covered with extra point taken on this feed on Monday. And there will be tons of great Super Bowl coverage all over the site, all over all of the various pod feeds um, in the coming couple of weeks. Thank you, as always, to Isaiah Blakely for production on this episode and to Arjuna Ramapal and Connor Nevins for additional production supervision.